0: You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. and welcome back to Volume 5 of the Plain Label Podcast. In this volume, our goal is pretty simple. Not only are we discussing a film or a series, but we are discussing ones that I own and host on my Plex account that I haven't seen. And we're going to decide if I should keep or delete... The File. In this episode, we're staying on our Criterion expedition and we're discussing the films, the 1973 film, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, and the 1977 film, The American Friend. Joining me for this episode is my friend, the permanent goddamn Fink, Mr. Benteed. Hey,
1: good evening. Maybe (laughs) by the end of the episode, we will be friends. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. find out if
0: it's. We'll be each other's Midwestern <laughs> friend, is what it'll Here be. go. Yeah. So, before getting into our discussion, we are still brought to you by Derek Coward and the fine folks over at the Deliberate Noise Network. Head to deliberatenoise.com for more current and archive shows from the network. Mr. Teed, what is it that you are drinking this evening?
1: I just realized tonight and I scrambled. I, it was one of those where I didn't have anything prepared, so I had to <laughs> like run and see what we had. I had a copper cup. I had one more can of Gosling's ginger beer. I poured it in with some tequila. Whoa! All and right. a little bit of li- and a little bit of lime juice I, and, and garnished with a lime. I like it. Left over from dinner, so I'm having, well, I guess, a Mexican mule. Yeah,
0: yeah, yes. that's, that's what it would but be. The tequila is 80 proof. It is Casamigos tequila. Okay. That's um, not one that we're familiar with. My wife does. From White Plains of the Army. Okay. okay in Mexico. <laughs> my uh, my imported, wife, imported. she does love herself tequila. Yeah. Uh, and so that's I'm something. i like... like it more. Yeah. So that's something that we have around the house uh, often. It makes me angry. And so I cannot, yeah. I cannot drink it. <laughs> something it's about it difference. just. Yeah. Something about it really just rubs me the wrong way. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, have that for the, ep- <laughs> for the episode that I told you I was going to record soon. <laughs> <laughs> where, I'm, where i'm upset um but i'm having something much more mild and much more um friendly and it is uh well we're as a recording we're in january and so for this month i am uh i'm having the beverages only when i record uh as when oh, i'm nice. having Good. drinks and so we're having this from from sam's it is a sparkling ice it is a cranberry frost flavor and it is with some svetka vodka so Pretty traditional, but pretty uh, cranberry yeah. frost. You know, a little snowy. Uh, it's, it was supposed to be snowmageddon here today as we record, and we got oh less, really, and we got yeah. less than two I inches. Need to come in yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be ten inches, we got two. So
1: cranberry. So was this left over from from the holidays? It, it's like a winter. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's the winter like mixed pack that you buy.
1: That's what I was looking for. I was looking for some cranberry juice to put in this. Yeah. Just a splash,
0: but. Yeah. So that's what we are drinking. Those are the films we're going to be discussing. We're going to start in nineteen seventy-three with the film The Friends of Eddie Coyle.
2: This is Eddie Coyle. I got five Smiths, two Lugas, a 357 Mag. You can hold a bank with that thing all by yourself. And these are his friends. I could use anything you can get. In the world of Eddie Coyle and his friends, the real world of crime, cops cannot operate without information, and criminals cannot survive without favors. Here's 20. Who's calling up? Remember Eddie Fingers? You i know, I want ten guns. I want them tomorrow night. I'll be right there with the money, same place where we were before. I'll be there with the money, you be there with those damn guns. Because if you ain't, I'll be looking for you and I'll find you too. Halloway, I hear it. You may be mixed up in something that's going on. <laughs> what did you do? You hit me along! I suppose I was to give you those guys that been knocking off the banks. Are you hooked in with the mafia or something? I'll tell you the truth, I don't know. There's this heavyset guy, you know. People are desperate for guns. I had a guy ask me seriously the other day, can I get him a few machine guns? You tell me about a guy that's going to get hit, 15 minutes later he gets hit. You tell me about some guys on a job, but you don't tell me till they're coming out the door with the money. Suppose we was to talk about machine guns. Look, I got two problems selling machine guns to people like you. The first is selling machine guns, that's life in this state. If I give you this, I can't do no time. These guys have got friends, you know, and uh, I wouldn't live to get out. We could take him now. It's a grubby, violent, dangerous world, but it's the only world they know, and they're the only friends Eddie Coyle has.
0: And the IMDb plot synopsis for this one, Mister T, this is from our good old pal Movie Master, which the <laughs> oh, ego, movie master. yeah, oh, Movie Master, you tried and true friend. Um, th- just the ego of some people to name themselves certain things on like a public. I
1: don't know what you're talking about. I think I <laughs> yeah. worship the master. So yeah.
0: well, wow. anyway, his the master's uh, synopsis of this film goes like this. Eddie's friends are numerous, but the term, quote, friend, is suspect. As a small-time hood, Eddie is about to go back to jail. In order to escape this fate, he deals information on stolen guns to the feds. Simultaneously, he is supplying arms to his bank-robbing, kidnapping hoodlum chums. But who else is dealing with the feds? Who else gets the blame for snitching on the bank robbers? Okay. So the Friends of Eddie Coyle, <laughs> Mr. Teed, have you uh had you seen this before? I haven't seen it,
1: and then when I saw it on your list, I I I had only heard of the title. hmm Um I didn't actually and I've heard of Peter Yates, but looking at his filmography, I don't think I've seen any of his stuff before. So this is my first Yates.
0: Movie. You're not a crawl man?
1: I'm not a crawl man. I haven't seen Bullet, I haven't seen The Deep. I heard The Hot Rock is awesome.
0: Now, I what, have what I have seen either. is uh, I've seen a separate piece because that is a book that I taught. And then oh, nice. and then the treat was that we were going to uh, watch the movie and the movie is not good. And oh, the book, wow. and the book... Don
1: Quixote movie with John Lithgow and Bob Haas.
0: <laughs> yeah, the TV movie.
1: <laughs> oh, man, I might have to I might have to seek that out. Maybe not. Maybe I
0: shouldn't. But... Wow. <laughs> mm hmm. So yeah, Ooh. so a big uh, a big '70s guy, I would say a lot of a lot of work in the '70s, up into the early '80s.
1: Yeah, and this is the type of film that I'm surprised I, I I'm not surprised I've heard of it, but I'm surprised I haven't seen it because I like these CD like crime films. This looked like uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle. Looks like it would uh, pop up in the back of. Uh, the floppies of, um, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, oh, criminal, of criminal, yeah. Uh, comic book. If you've ever gotten the co- comic books, criminal, it's called criminal. Um, I know, you know, but I, for yeah, for listeners listener. that might not know, they, they, he, they had these, it was great to buy them in the floppies because they always had an extra backup essay with extra artwork by Sean Phillips. And he would draw like one of the, and I, won I bet you, one of those issues has the friends of Eddie Coyle It's got it, to cause this. Yeah. this feels like a criminal arc. Mm-hmm. He, he would, and the criminal is like a. It reminded me of Sin City, where it was, it was, um, an, an anthology series. Yeah, each issue was one part of a six-part series, or however long it went. Sometimes they were eight, sometimes they were five, or whatever, and that um, would go on for six issues, and then. The story would end, and then they would go to a different part of Sin City, or in this case, the world of Criminal, to a different part of that world and follow another character. And mm-hmm. so, this Friends of Eddie Coyle would fit so perfectly within that. And you could just tell that's what Brubaker and Phillips were pulling from.
0: Yeah, and, and you can like, tell also like that uh, you can also tell that there was a uh, a certain director that is. Uh, very famous that appreciates this film because Stephen Keats, as one of the side characters, plays Jackie Brown. His character's uh, name yeah, is, is Jackie right. Brown in this, so I'm like, oh, I bet QT loves himself this movie. You
1: know, I didn't even catch that, but yeah. Yeah, but that yeah. So this awesome. is this
0: is a uh, this is based on uh, a book. This is uh, directed by Peter Yates. This is starring Robert Mitchum and Peter Boyle. <laughs> a Peter Boyle that looks uh looks like Kevin from The Office in this, which I was like, oh, oh wow. my god because <laughs> we watch a lot of yeah. office with the kiddo and I was like, wow, totally. he, uh, is young. Cause I'm not used to seeing, I,
1: I love, yeah, I love Peter Boyle. Yeah. I like, I, he's in, um, he's a taxi driver and stuff like that. I see him all the time when mm-hmm. I watch that, mm-hmm. but this, I bet you, I, I, I don't know. There's something about him and his stature and stuff like that. He just fits right in. Mm-hmm. Cause the first thing I've seen him, I mean, listen, the first thing I saw ever saw him in was Raymond
2: oh
0: so, yeah okay
1: just just because that that's i grew up with that you the saw Batron. everybody
0: loves raymond before you saw R- young frankenstein what's wrong with you
1: uh that's a good question
0: because he was put on the ritz I, as uh as i know monster and though. i wonder
1: if i i wonder which one did come first because i did watch young frankenstein as a kid and loved it just thought it was the best and i showed it to my wife and she's like what is this <laughs> <laughs>
0: no no well mel brooks doesn't hit with everybody uh, you know?
1: Oh my gosh, he's got a new thing coming. I uh, know he's got.
0: Uh, yeah, he's got a sequel. Yeah.
1: Looks pretty good.
0: Pretty yeah. fun. My my wife actually showed that to me, and I was like, "What the heck?" That
1: guy is 92 or something. Yeah. Still doing it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So yes, this is uh, so that's who stars. Uh, as you might expect, Robert Mitchum plays Eddie Coyle, and this is about his sort of group. And and as the synopsis said, this is about you know, the people that he encounters both on the side of the law and criminals that he uh, has different dealings with. And, and I, I liked this a lot. Um, this is one of those where, um, I was sort of like, if there was a little bit more, hmm, it's like the thing that I like about it is that it was, it's such a quiet movie. But then when we do get that, when we do get that chase with those wonderful 70s cars and we do get Jackie Brown and he gets uh his car shot up through by a shotgun and it like just absolutely smatters across the windshield. I'm like, ooh, fuck, I like this a lot. So it's like yes. if there was a few more of those moments, it would have been a five star movie for me. But it was I gave this four stars. This is easily one that I would keep. Uh, so we don't even have to bother with the keep or delete. Um, yeah, I agree on that. This was
1: one you could stick in every once in a while.
0: Yeah, because it is just kind of like a hangout movie. Like you don't really, yes. you could just put it on in the background and just appreciate some of the scene work, in, because it is broken apart in several different pieces. And it's interesting that you bring up Criminal and Sin City and and the sort of comics versions of of stories that are like this, because you do get. Um you get scenes with Eddie and Dylan, the Peter Boyle character. You get scenes with Eddie and Dave Foley, who's the officer, and then Eddie and Jackie Brown, like I said, played by Stephen Keats, who Stephen Keats, I just kept thinking was like he just looked like somebody that I thought I knew, but it wasn't like he. You he know, when has I, when one I, of those
1: I, faces. Yeah, yeah, when I
0: figured out who it was, I was like, well, I don't know him from Death Wish or Hester Street or any of these things that he's been in, but nope. man, he was really good in this, I thought. He as, looked
1: familiar, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it was like the gap in his teeth, and it was something to where I was just like, this looks like a guy, but it's not It's not anybody that he I... Like
1: some, I yeah, he looks like an up-and-coming mm-hmm. in the middle of all of this, and then he is... What's so interesting is how he... um... You know, the, the thing that would be really hard for me if 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 this was like a role that I was trying to portray is to show that that fire
2: mm-hmm. in his
1: belly that's mm-hmm. getting him up to get going because um, you're seeing a decline what's so what's what seems like the harder roles between uh, Mitchum and and uh Keats is Keats is someone who like wants to get out there and he's hungry to, for action. He's ready to buy guns. He's ready to do this stuff. And Mitchum, who's on the decline um, in terms of, uh, and, and the thing is, he's not bad in this role, but I absolutely feel his decline in this film in terms of like, he seems like he's still delivering lines in that old style that they would in,
0: in like, yeah, like 50s the, and 60s. the 50s and 60s. Exactly. It is. Yeah. And it the, was like, I, yeah. I wrote that down too, Ben. I was like, I don't know if it's him being very good or if he is just frankly tired because it was that that sort of persona. I was
1: like, I don't know. I thought that was appropriate for the film, but I I noticed it. Uh And I I think that's kind of fascinating because that just makes it almost it's almost like the the salt that you put on the chocolate to make the chocolate even sweeter. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what that's what that's what Yeats was to me was or Keats, excuse me uh Keats was uh as uh Jackie Brown mm-hmm. because he's this character who is just like fired up and ready to go and 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 is, has to be a little scrappy to kinda get through some of these. And um but he's still learning. He's still learning from essentially the guy who's who's lived the longest in, in this world. So many of his friends are dropping like flies or they're talking already or they're being taken in and mm. even even Eddie the coils getting taken in and stuff like that. And he's, he's got it, the, the movie operates on this time limit that mm-hmm, he's got go mm-hmm. to go upstate. He's talk got like to two him. weeks
0: or something, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. And then he's going away. He's literally going to be gone like in, in jail or, or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's fascinating to see him kind of like still go through the motions of, Oh, I got one more ride left in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I got one more thing left in me. And um, that's that's the hook for me. Is this is is the well? I got I you know the thing is like a lot of these I, I the 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 um, the motif that usually gets struck up when you're watching one of these films is this isn't an old man's game.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know,
1: it's usually people are either die or in prison because they don't last that long, or they get sloppy, or the longer they do it, the harder it gets. And um, and this so you can imagine how. At this point, Coyle is just hanging on by fingers.
0: Yeah. And he's, he's starting to run out of connections a little bit, uh, because like you just said, he's, he's running out of people that are still around and, and doing things, right? Like he's, he's got like his web of guys, but then as, um, as, you know, Dave Foley starts closing in around him and, and some of the people start getting, either killed or put away, it's sort of like, well, you got to give me more. You got to give me more. And he's like, I don't, I don't have anything to give you <laughs> like, you know, he's running, he's, he's on his last limbs. And then we get finally the, the confrontation with, uh, with Eddie and, and with Dylan and that whole setup. Um, I, one of the things at the very front that I thought was fascinating, and this is something that I would not be surprised is, is hidden somewhere in a Baker Phillips, um, crime whether it's in The Fade Out or Criminal or any of their books that they've done, is this this delivery – there's a delivery um, van guard at the beginning because there's bank robbers is what this is basically following. And so at the beginning of the movie, we have this uh, delivery van that's delivering money to a bank and there's a group that's casing it. And one of the first people that comes out of this delivery van is this guard, and he's got, like, this ultra-serious face. He's got this freaking, like, rifle that he's got with him. And it's it's not just, like, a handgun or, like, some sort of easily managed shotgun or something. Like, it's this big-ass rifle. And I was like, man, I was like, I would love a story on this dude. Like, on this guy who is, like, (laughs) so macho, but in the grand scheme of things has a pretty menial job, right? And it's just like he has to like psych himself up for how important his duty is to protect this, you know, a few thousand dollars that go into this bank with this very elaborate safe and all of this kind of thing. It's just uh, I don't know. I was just really struck by one of the first few images of this. And the way that this is shot, it's like while I was born in the 70s, I did not grow up really in the 70s. It did make me look at this and be like, oh, man, long for a simpler time <laughs> because yeah, no everything kidding. just looked so relatively manageable when I was watching this. It movie. looked, it
1: looked thinner.
2: Mm-hmm. It, like, mm-hmm. like
1: even the, even the bank vaults don't look nearly as, uh, as hard to crack.
2: Uh uh-huh.
1: huh. As hard to get in. Well,
0: that, was, what that was, was, that was, what was neat was they had like the different times when things would only unlock at certain, at certain times. And it was like yeah, the inconvenience cool. of these robbers that they had to wait uh, before stuff would unlock and they couldn't do anything about it and all of that sort of thing. Like that's not like technology has taken away a lot of those storytelling opportunities. And I thought that that was really interesting. Totally. Um, I put, Um, I put in here, Ben that, uh, and see if you agree with me here. I put boy, would this not get made the same way today? (laughs) Because this is, this has so much air in this movie. Like it is, it is not concerned with filling the frame with, spectacle or action moments or big speeches or anything like that
1: i feel like even even a character that looks like robert Mitchum, Mm -hmm. it would probably have to be ben affleck or someone someone boyish and and like or leo leo would be a good one like Mm -hmm. they would put someone like that in because at some point they need to be beautiful or something but wait a minute wait a minute
0: what if it's like uh what if it was like nicholson during the departed times he could have played this uh, that
1: could be that could be a lot better if it was um, like a big
0: because that's Nick, that's sort of your your there's, Robert so much mitchum from, there's so
1: much charisma from from uh from nicholson mm-hmm. he's, so, he's so much of a ringleader uh, type, yeah, type of guy whereas coil coil himself just the character not just mitchum i guess it kind of goes hand in hand he just looks like this side guy that's still just trying to keep his head above water at this point in his life that, and and it's such a, the movie is such a struggle, uh, not, (laughs) not to get through, not, not, not to watch, but just knowing full well where, where Eddie's going to get slaughtered. Mm -hmm. It's really just about the movie was me just going, okay, when are the feds or when are the, the police or whoever, when are they just going to just off him? Mm -hmm. It it really kind of became of like the the clock is ticking on him. I don't think he's gonna make it these two weeks, or he's gonna do something stupid, and then he's gonna get killed by police. They just want an excuse, right? To, to just do what. Do. That way they don't have to deal with him.
2: That mm-hmm. way they don't have to
1: go through any of that stuff or go. You know, they're not worried about finding the source of these guns. They don't care. In fact, they're probably there's something probably to the idea that how easily they were able to get M16s from an army barracks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, that's all inferred. That's all uh, um, that's all world building. But at the same time, it's like kind of hard to watch when you know once you start seeing um, Dylan Peter Boyle's character start to say, "Hey, you want to go to the hockey game tonight? What do you, uh, you want to do this?" Yeah. And stuff? that's Oof. when that's when I go, "Okay, I'm starting to see it now. I'm starting to see the, the cracks and where where he's gonna probably." Probably lose it, and yeah. I'm not saying it was predictable because de- I definitely wasn't predicting Eddie Coyle's end to happen in the way that it did. Right. But and I, and I, the thing is, it's it's so now now that I've had time to live with it, his Eddie Coyle's end is so appropriate. It's like <laughs> right. a, it's just a snuff. It's yes. just out. You're out like a flame. No. Blaze of glory, no nothing. No, just no, no big like sad. hero shot.
0: There's no like yep. moment where you no get to see to say him
1: say react to his yeah. wife. Yeah, nothing like that. He's just gone, and the thing is, he's gone like in like an instant. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, oh, did they? Did he miss him at first? Because like when he shoots him, <laughs> yeah, in the in he, the seat. Yeah, like, he, he shoots doesn't him react in the car, really. He doesn't really react, and he's just gone. And it's just like, did did he? did he accidentally hit the uh, car or what did what happened? And then (laughs) then come to find out, Oh no, no, he's gone. Like they, they just took his, you know, so it was just, that was surprising. But also just like, now that I kind of sat with that for a while, I'm like, Oh no, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. He kind of lived or kind of died how he lived a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the things I put here was uh, I love how much this doesn't give away in that you don't see like, You don't see you see moments where both Eddie Coyle and Dylan are talking to Dave Foley, the police officer, but you don't get moments where the police officer is like, oh, hey, I got another guy on the inside or like I need to close this case. You know, you don't see any like crappy cop dialogue to where where I'm like, wait a minute. So like who (laughs) I got to like 20 to 30 minutes in and I was like who am I supposed to be hoping for? And I was like, Oh wait, (laughs) maybe that's the point, (laughs) you know, because it's like Dylan is on the take. Eddie's on the take. Dylan's on the take from Eddie. Dave's sort of in charge, but ultimately can't really do much for Eddie. Like Eddie tries to, you know, he gives him this first, he gives him Jackie Brown. Who's been selling guns. And
1: yeah. And that, that actually tricked me. I actually thought, I actually thought for a second, I'm so dumb. I, I fall for this stuff. I'm. I watched how many millions of movies and I still fall for it. Maybe that's just the power of that. Yeah, script. that's just
0: good storytelling, though. If you do, but fall I totally for it.
1: thought I'm like, oh, he's gonna get, like, like they're gonna get uh, Jackie and and then maybe Eddie can get away and then and then uh-huh. he can go back uh-huh. to his wife and like i'm like what and as soon as they start getting him <laughs> drunk i'm like what the hell was i thinking yeah i literally i literally got kind of mad at myself for going what did i but that's the point isn't it they need you to to see that sunlight at the end of the tunnel
0: well uh, for, for me it was it was not even skating. when he got uh, it wasn't even when he got drunk it was the it was the moment before that where he's Eddie's kind of pushed and he gives Jackie Brown up and Dave Foley, you know, um, they bust him and and they have that wonderful little action moment that I liked so much. And then Eddie's, Eddie's like, okay, well, will you go now to where I have this hearing and and you know put a good word in for me? And he's kinda like, Well, that's out of my jurisdiction. Like they're not gonna give a shit about what I think about that. Like no. you need to give me more. And so then you're like, uh oh. <laughs> like now he's really got him. And he, right. he and so then he's like, okay. Finally, he's going to decide that he'll give him more. And that's when we got like Artie Van and these sorts of people where um it's like the the crew that has been robbing the bank because Eddie hasn't really been doing a lot of actual criminal work other than giving some people up and buying some guns and stuff like that. And so he decides that he's going to give up this this bank robbery group that's been going throughout the town or the area and, and robbing all these banks and, and getting away with all this money, which all this, you know, seventies money is like a couple thousand, like $30,000 or something like that. It was some ridiculously super fun low...
1: sequences too. Those yeah. Sequences oh yeah. Very some fun.
0: Very fun. And we, we get that whole moment and then, uh, Eddie goes in to, to give him up to Dave and, and Dave tells him, you're too late, Eddie. Like it happened without you.
2: Yeah, and oh.
0: the timing of that was so well done because when when they when the guys are in like their third mask and they're like gonna go through the whole process of uh kidnapping the bank manager's family again and you're like, all right, I've seen this, I've seen them do this well, and so you're perfectly set up for it to go wrong because you've already seen it go right, and they go in there and they the cops have the drop on them and they say like April Fools, motherfucker, and all this sort of stuff, oh, and and the um, and the you know the criminals get taken down and then you see Eddie desperate going to talk to the cop and you're like oh shit like he doesn't have he doesn't know that he doesn't have anything to barter nope and i'm he's just got like no rope yeah. he's got nothing <laughs> you're like this is not going to end well for him <laughs> oh Oh, man but that's kind of the
1: beauty and the tragedy of it mm-hmm. you know it's really the tragedy of, of Eddie Coyle in terms of like just so he's already on the decline he was already you know, the the opening of this film, I think, is him at a table with Jackie Brown. Mm-hmm. They're both talking about
2: oh
0: yeah. again. Yeah, and then one of the villains is uh, – one of the bank robbers is in the background, I think. Yeah. Where they all, like, know each other and they're at, like, Dylan's bar or something like that.
2: Yeah.
1: And then he's trying to explain to him, like, actually punching someone or actually getting – information out of someone and then oh, throw, with pushing, stand, pushing yeah. your
0: hand into a drawer or something yeah. like that about it was and, basically uh, about how he got abused in prison right yeah yeah
1: and you're like what would be better because you're gonna get you're gonna get hit no matter what so you know choose wisely i guess
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: which is really sad yeah but like i said like that's what this that's what this world is and they they paint it so well as as this thing of like you don't want to be a part of this and we're just watching, just an an old one getting put out the pasture. Yeah, you know, just... yeah, and,
0: and and that's good that you brought that up too because that was the that was the introduction of Ben today. Is you know he's Dave Foley's trying to get Coyle to to give up his friends, and he's he says you know he's not a a fink, he's not a goddamn fink. Is what he says. And he, and so it's like yeah. he's still living the, in these sort of like Western ideals almost. Like these old timey like a man is a – you know only as good as his that's word kind of point, thing. That's a point, yeah. And,
1: the, uh, think is – isn't that like more like a cowboy language too? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so it's like totally. he's, he's living by a different standard than what these sort of rough and ready 70s are no longer adhering to. It's and interesting that's why because it's perfect you... – it's perfect that it's Mitchum doing this too. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a guy from a former era. Yeah.
1: Um, it looked a lot, crime looked a lot different when Mitchum was a young man.
2: Mm hmm. Mm
1: hmm. Um, and when he was in those roles and it's almost like, um, it's almost like the thing that, that, and I don't mean to jump over to another film, but if you, if you were to try to tie this into other movies in, in such a way, I do kind of feel like the epicenter the change happens with the Godfather, ah. which I watched, but I watched both uh, one and two uh, recently. And, um, and it's interesting watching um, these five families. Um, so, you know, along with, um, Oh, why can't I think of the family? The, the actual,
0: Oh, the Corleone,
1: uh, Cor- the Corleone family. Um, they are all, Talking the five families are about, you know, bringing drugs in and bringing it into the community. And meanwhile, the old from the old world, from the old time of being a criminal, essentially, um, the Don Corleone Mm -hmm. uh, Vito is sitting there going, I this is a bad idea. I'm telling you right now. And the thing is, when this movie is being made, this it's about like, you know, the 40s and 50s style and like you know that this is you you, we have the ability to look back and see that even as this film is i think 73 was godfather
0: Um, yeah yeah i mean i think that this is right around the same time
1: yeah exactly so like you can see like the old world just knowing full well that this isn't going to be good and it isn't in fact it's it's quite scary and quite evil and quite bad Mm -hmm. um So I just, I just, there's something interesting about using that as kind of a Rosetta Stone to understand all of somebody's crime in some ways. Sure, yeah. Watching that and watching that kind of dole out uh, throughout history, man, that's that's kind of the thing that you know, it's it's almost like kind of essential to see that film in some ways to kind of understand where the headspace was at at a time that I was not even close to being
0: alive. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, it's a thing where it's like. uh... Man, whether it's Dog Day Afternoon or The Godfather or uh, any any 70s sort of crime type movie just hits me in a, in a way that is much different than even modern films that are trying to recreate those styles. Like there's just something yeah. that's a little more languid, a little less um, sort of box office dependent in, in terms of how it feels that that I like so much more. <laughs>
2: totally. like, I just yes. like
0: how this is, this is just a story about Eddie Coyle and the people that he runs into. And I'm trying to avoid using friends too much now, but um, it's just a story that we happen to, to take part in. It's not like some sort of like pop sugary sort of glitzed and glam sort of thing that we're watching. You know, it's just like, here's this real guy who's struggling and trying to make, he keep his himself out of jail and, you know, keep living with his family and his wife and he's running out of options basically.
1: And we get, we get Eddie Coyle at a time when he feels like he's trying to pass on the information and try to, and try to pass on his goodwill and try to pass on his like, all right, now it's, it, it's getting late in the in the evening, you know, getting late in my life. It's now time to start telling people, you know, we have to live by a code, you know, we have to be good. We have to do we have to kinda he's he's still trying to teach this cowboy code to people and it's just like, No they're not gonna listen, Eddie. Like and neither and, and the and the authorities, which is just another gang at this point, um in the seventies, um, is just finding a way to they're not playing by regular rules either
0: yeah yeah so yeah so i i w- It was inevitable yes it was in that uh the climactic moment that you already brought up it uh the gunshot scared the shit out of me <laughs> like uh yes. peter boyle's isn't it his nephew that or something like that in in the in the movie um
2: he yeah, plays dylan's it, nephew well, the, i think
1: the, yeah and it was weird because that's another like red herring for me of like why would he bring him along and like Oh, he needs
0: a helper. Yeah, oh, he, he needs he, someone and he needed carrying, a second car him. and all that kind of stuff, and or he and thought he might need him it.
1: Out from the, they're practically carrying him out from the hockey game, and I'm like, well, this all we gotta do is just find some woods. And just. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, some uh, Miller's I've Crossing type Scorsese, stuff. <laughs> I've seen all the Scorsese films. I know what's happening here.
0: <laughs> right, you're either getting out in the desert, or you're getting in the woods. You're going somewhere. But yeah. that was what was Ugh. so surprising to me is they just shoot him in the car. It's just like, there's no like, yeah. Eddie doesn't have like a line. He just sort of oh. passes out and then they shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre. That's that really, unexpected. that's pretty dark and pretty unexpected.
1: One other scene. I want to say one other. And then I'm I'm pretty much like, I like, this is going to be a great film to like bring up every once in a while. Uh-huh. Like I want to forget it. Uh-huh. I want to like go maybe a good like five ten years before I watch it again because it'll be fun to, like, revisit in a way that I'm, like, don't remember, and I'll just be, like, hurt by this tragedy over again. Um, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but hearing... Um, uh, when he goes to... Um, when Eddie goes to Jackie at the bowling alley, he says, I need these guns by tonight, mm-hmm. and ammo, and this, and that, and he's like, uh, that's gonna be real hard for me, and stuff like that. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, no, you do yeah. it. And then they go, he goes out to Place where he's got to drive out into the dark. And there's these two, like, nerdy college Mm -hmm. guys Mm -hmm. come out of the dark. That whole sequence is fantastic. Yeah. Including, like, putting up the light to blind them and him (laughs) jumping down into the ditch. Yes. And stuff like that. Like, all that stuff was so, like,. It was so real. Yeah, and because those so those guys wonderful.
0: were like, "Wow, this is a major deal for us. Like, look at how easy this ended up being, and all this kind of thing." Like, they were pretty excited about it's gonna it.
1: Gonna be easy money,
0: yeah. yeah. And, and it's just sort of like they are the on the ac- exact opposite end of the rope that Eddie Coyle is. You know, totally. to where he's he's seen it all. He's seen all these people die. He's just trying to survive, and they're just getting into it. So. That was I loved it, yeah. Yeah, I so, thought it was really good.
1: I think there were moments, like you said, like where, where it was empty, and, mm-hmm. and moments where, like, there were you know you can't have that these days. You're absolutely right. I think it's beautiful to look at. I did, I, I guess, I in terms of pacing and stuff like that. That's my that may be why I gave it a four as well mm-hmm. out of five um, because, it, it, you know, I. I The thing is, I have an attention. I I still feel (laughs) like you and I have the attention span still to put up with these types of films, Uh and maybe the general public these days does not. And therefore, like, even for me, found some scenes just slow at nine o'clock at night. Yeah, sure. And so, like,
0: I because once you once you get that, it's like, oh, it's Eddie Coyle and he's on his last legs. You're like, all right. Uh, until the until things f- like actually go down, you're like, I kind of get where this is going. And you can, have like a
1: title like, Oh, yeah. Right.
0: Well, you can, and you can like languish in some of the scenes for a while. But after a while, you're like, All right, yeah, I got it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I should have like a a scene of like, or not a scene, a title more like Doctor Strange, where it's like, the friends of Eddie Coyle, parentheses or lack thereof. You know, because <laughs> yeah, it's really, just yeah. it really just it, they just drop off one by one, or he just has nowhere to turn. Yeah. And it's more, it's obviously irony, but.
0: Yeah, and I do love something. I love the idea that it's, it's, uh, it's where you don't really see him doing too much that's, that's wrong, really.
1: Yeah. They, so they could have easily done where he, uh, is getting, he, I'm not a young man anymore. Yeah. I, need I one more the, score
0: or whatever. I, yeah. I
1: botched the, uh, the, um, the bank robbery or something. Like they could have had him go on one. Mm hmm. And, and screw it up because he's too slow or he wasn't thinking right or something like that. Yeah, like, or
0: he could have been like, the guy that shoots the person or whatever. And, no. And I, yeah. yeah. And
1: I love the idea that he's an old man and he was just trying to talk with his wife at home. Yeah. You know, there's these real, real nice, uh, loving moments at home that are, that are surprisingly all, that all more, so,
0: right? Like I was yeah. like surprised at how kind of like somewhat charming in a seventies kind of way they were. Because yeah, I was like, the, oh, the, I get why he just wants to be around her. Like, he is I know why, yeah. fairly... I know
1: smart. why, though, too. It has to be. Because they have to set it up to where it, it's so tragic.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know,
1: they have to make yeah. their relationship work. Because I'm sitting there expecting, well, he's a criminal. He's been a criminal for years. How the hell has he made this work? He's got to have terrible relationships with people because he's a criminal. Well, no, he doesn't. And that's why this is going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> when it does come crashing down. That's why he's desperately trying to fight for that last bit. Cause if it was about survival, man, he would have been in there talking and spilling his guts to someone else long ago. Right. No, there's something about that's the part of Eddie Coyle, that's the part of the story that will always remain a mystery to me is is um what other than his code and maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for me. I mean, I certainly don't think about it too much because it, it, I don't want to take away the fun of, of the thrill of this movie. But like, what was that motivation? What? What? Will I ever know the true motivation behind why he didn't just give up? Why he didn't just
0: oh take do his it? take his sentence? Yeah, and, uh, and do it. And I,
1: and I guess well, he explains it in the opening, right? He he talks about the fear of you know breaking his hand and yeah. All that he thinks he thinks
0: Opie. he's yeah. He thinks he's sort of had too many relationships in his day to where he's going to get, he's going to die in jail is what he thinks. But I also was I, I wondering,
1: I actually believe that.
0: Yeah. I, I, I was wondering what that. it would, what you thought about like his, how much his wife knew? Because maybe it's like a shame thing.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess Because I he is guess, this I sort of she... like
0: stereotypical, like macho man, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think he, I think he is sweet to her, and I think she, like a lot of these type of uh, crime movies, knows enough. She knows enough, mm-hmm. but she probably doesn't know everything, and she probably knows that he's in a lot of trouble, but doesn't know how deep. Right. And so I'm, I'm assuming the day, the morning after, um, the last scene of this film, where his death happens, I'm assuming she. Well, besides being, uh, you know, devastated, but I, I mean, I'm assuming very, very heartbroken, like, yeah, because I don't think she would have assumed that it would have ended this way especially since he was talking it up to her.
2: Oh yeah. In these
1: scenes about and of course once again from a screenwriter standpoint of course he's <laughs> right. talking it up. Of yeah, course as soon as he as soon
0: as he talks as about what a ending. sure thing it is you're like uh-oh. And he's Robert freaking
1: <laughs> Mitchum yeah. so I believe him.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Cuz cuz he's such a the thing is and I, I don't i pardon me if you have seen this but one of my favorite movies of all time uh, it's it's like I have got nothing new under the sun to say about this movie <laughs> but Night of the Hunter.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: It's one of my favorite films of all time. And, like, he's so good at being that charming southern preacher coming into town. And he just, like, wins you over, even though you you see scenes of him being completely evil.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: yet, the very next day, he's back to it. And that's the magic of Mitchum, I think, is that he has this, like, charm and gentlemanly – Macho man, you know, bravado, but then like, you, you know, the thing is, I felt like that those, those really evil scenes were missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you didn't... really just the weight. Way... If you didn't, if you hadn't seen Mitchum before, I'm worried that one could assume that he's not actually that evil or that bad.
0: Yeah. That's what I thought was interesting was that he was just sort of the middleman and he was finally willing to go against ethics, but then it ended up not mattering anyway.
1: I'm I'm trying to find out... I'm trying to figure out in my own brain right now if any of that really matters, though. Because mm-hmm. I bring my own weight to the film and I have a history of Mitchum films that I love.
0: Yeah, well, it's just all part of the... That into... It's just part of the dire 70s of it all. You know, it's yeah.
1: just... Yeah, <laughs> well, you kind of have to... Yeah, and I, I I forget where the context clues are of well, he's done a lot of bad stuff. I mean, he's yeah. selling guns and he's he's doing real bad things anyways But...
0: Yeah, but yeah, quite a quite a movie. Um, this is one that I think I had heard through uh, a different movie podcast, I believe, and uh, they talked about Robert Mitchum being so good in it. And I saw that it was on Criterion, and was like, oh, well, I got to talk to Ben about this one. Sure. So that's yeah. how we. No, I'm, how gl- we...
1: I'm glad that I knocked this off the list because now I will be going to find more Yeats films. Mm-hmm. Um. And and. Man and Mitch I'm so amazing. Yeah. Um, this one, this one felt like like a part of the DNA of the stuff that I love now. Mm. Like I like, and I say love as in like I grew up like a lot of people in the '90s, all everyone loving Pulp Fiction, and then having to find out every single thing about Pulp Fiction, having to find out every single thing about Quentin Tarantino, and this is part of that DNA. Yeah. I mean, clearly,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's fun because I sometimes think some of that stuff is even better than what I got.
0: The, like the ultra stylized version?
1: Yes. Because yes. he'll, he'll, Tarantino, that's another uh, avenue I guess we could chat a little bit about, which is just he likes to take these types of films and he likes to celebrate them. He likes mm-hmm. to show them off a little bit. He likes to reuse bits and, 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 and take some of the best parts that, that he likes. And that makes sense for his films, and it's fun. It's just fun, and so I kind of dig that. This I can just see as I'm watching it, like in my 4K (laughs) television on a Blu-ray that's on my 4K Blu-ray player. Mm -hmm. Like, or it's the yeah. It so I'm enjoying this at a very high quality. I can't help but think much better of an experience it would be to watch it projected or to maybe have a little bit of fuzz and grossness on the lens of the camera and to smell the 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 stale popcorn and stuff like that like there is something seedy about the about the film that would be fun to experience this in a different situation than what i did even though i really enjoyed the way i saw it
2: yeah it was like
1: it was
0: a thing where Tarantino's when I saw so Dylan's cool. Bar, Dylan's Bar looks very much like the back of the restaurant that my dad used to own. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so when I saw that bar, I was like, oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I know what that smells awesome. like. <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, so, yeah. And, and so, like, Tarantino owns the, the, the New Beverly in um, yeah, right. Los Angeles. And I've always wanted to go. Of course, someday I probably will. Um, but it just seems like something they would show. It does. One of the
0: does.
2: Yeah, I'd be Just surprised
1: any, if they any didn't. Time.
0: And that could have been um, a thing that because I I believe it was pure cinema that I listened to 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 um to hear about this movie and it could have been a New Beverly selection for all I know.
1: Yep, that's that's exact. I mean, I love I love listening to that show, mm-hmm. and I and I this fits right in with there.
0: Yeah, of now that I think about it, else. it was definitely that podcast that that turned me onto the movie, because oh. no other podcast would have been talking about. The friends of Eddie quote no i so, suppose not yeah which is too bad yeah which is too bad all right well let's move on to our second film mr teed it is mm. uh from just a couple years later um it is from 1977 and it is called the american friend
2: are you interested in 250,000 marks mark for shooting one man maybe two it's definitely easy i don't know where you might have heard it i am a gunman You must take me for... for somebody else. No, Mr. Thiel. We know that you are not going to live very much longer. You've got a wife. You've got a little boy. Wouldn't you like to leave them some money when you'll die?
0: the imdb plot synopsis for this one we're going to go with the summary from j. sperlin and it goes like this tom ripley has a sweet deal with an art forger the forger creates the paintings tom sells them but another criminal business associate wants tom to go in for an even riskier enterprise murder tom suggests his associate ask a local picture framer instead that man has a fatal t- fatal disease or so it's rumored more he has a wife and a kid that surely he won't want to leave penniless let this picture framer be a hitman and no one will suspect the terminally ill craftsman may agree to be may agree to the misdeed and several more but he'll end up needing tom ripley in a pinch okay mr t tell me (laughs) about you and tom ripley did you see the talented mr ripley with matt i haven't damon.
1: i've seen it recently i think i've seen it within the last couple years okay and i really i really enjoyed it i thought it was the wackiest film i've ever seen <laughs> one of them um yes. but i still enjoyed it because yeah. i'm like wow no never seen these characters like this before isn't that um isn't isn't uh ripley in that one isn't that played by matt damon um uh, damon okay
0: yeah, okay. and, he, and he wants so, uh, he wants Dicky Greenleaf's life, which is uh, Jude Law. We rec- I recorded on this uh, uh, almost a year ago, so it's pretty fresh still. And, okay, cool. And we get Philip Seymour Hoffman as a wonderful character before he gets bashed oh in God. the noggin. Of course, yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I I have seen that's really my only connection to this film. Okay. I mean, I other than me being like I like Dennis Hopper, I guess because like <laughs>
0: right, right, right.
1: there's no real like I did I, I looked at Wenders' uh, filmography. The only one I've seen on that list has no resemblance to any of the other films. I've obviously heard of Paris, Texas. I've heard of Wings of Desire. Mm-hmm. I I hadn't heard of The American Friend,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but the one I had seen was a it's not a documentary but it's like a dance film from 2011 called Pina. okay and it's like this uh like a dance film like it just shows like a lot of this choreographed stuff and it's it's very artsy it's very like you know not very narrative in any sort of way but it is like very moody and very cool and i i enjoyed watching it once again in my home <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like this is another Pina's is one another one that would have probably worked as a something in a a large format but in terms of Tom I'm I'm like halfway through this film and they say Ripley yeah
0: yeah and
1: I go wait a minute and then I look (laughs) up and I'm like why is this a I'm looking on my phone as I'm watching the film uh which I don't normally like to do but I have to look it up just to see and sure enough it's it's a Tom Ripley film yeah um so I and there's been multiples uh not just these two Ripley movies. yeah yeah, and, there, and there's so, a show um, now too. I can tell you, probably of the ones I've seen, I very much like this depiction of mm. Tom Ripley. Um, I think Hopper is really good, and I think that one of the things that this movie probably sorely needed was a lot more of of Hopper. Yeah, um, that was maybe my biggest, and uh, not that we needed to get into it just yet, but I wanted because I wanted to get your background a little bit, but. For the most part, had not heard of this film. In fact, had to look it up to make sure I had the right one. Make sure I had, it. <laughs> is this the right movie? Is this the, yeah. Okay, yeah, why yeah, is part you. of this
0: in German and in French and what is going on?
2: <laughs> yeah, I like
1: seeing um, um, the other directors, like Nicholas Ray, within this film and stuff. Yeah, oh, he has the villains, yeah. He's in a lonely place and stuff like that. Yep. He's one of the villains. Yeah, and, and Nicholas um, Ray died Sam- right
0: after this movie, too.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then Samuel Fuller is, a, is an actor in this. Mm-hmm um as well so i just i thought some of this like it's fun to see that and it is a criterion ass criterion movie you know like (laughs) this seems like one that would be on the list because it is it it, this one was more of a chore for me oh okay i would say um i still found it fun i just thought it was really slow Mm -hmm. uh and i had to kind of like rewind to kind of go okay now what did they say how what where are we at what is it what is happening here um, so, and, and maybe it was just the night that I watched it on. Maybe it was just how I was feeling or whatever. I mean, it's been hard lately to watch movies starting it at nine,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, cause we've been putting the kid later to bed. So, so I'm extra tired. Well, and it's sometime. in the middle of
0: dark winter. So,
1: yes, exactly. So it's hard for me to like really, I'm, I, you know, just trying to stay engaged cause the opening to this film is so quiet and it is so, um, it's so just calming mm-hmm. and it's interesting because of the hook of this film and and how um jonathan or zimmerman or whatever zimmerman Bruno yeah Mann's, uh bruno's character
0: is is uh, has a terminal uh i think he's got leukemia well he's got a disease but then they but you don't really know if he actually does have it or not which is which is uh, interesting yeah because i guess so because it's like a rumor at first because he goes to his doctor and they're like yeah you've got this but it's not serious do you do you think that he believes he has it I, well see that's what i thought was kind of interesting because my impression of it was ripley meets him and we understand like why ripley goes through all of this uh nonsense toward the end of the movie but he he meets him he gets kind of like shown up and then he overhears that Zimmerman has this, has this illness. And then next thing we know, Zimmerman is told that he's got this, this illness may kill him like at any moment. And so I'm like, Oh, so, so Ripley's just like bullshitting this guy. Like he's just controlling this man is like my immediate is my immediate thought. So it's like, who knows if he actually has this, if it's something that uh, is, uh, really going to to injure him soon or if it's something that he's uh you know it's it's been exaggerated or what the deal is because he goes and sees these different Mm -hmm. he's these different doctors but the different doctors like some of them have been feeding him misinformation on purpose um so it is it is not a film that holds your hand boy this one this is one that really? really really expects you to pay attention on this one
1: Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, you know, it never occurred to me that he didn't, that he wouldn't believe that he had it because that's my main motivation for him doing any of these jobs, including the job. He has the perfect alibi. It really is Hitchcockian in how, oh,
2: yeah.
1: like, like, Oh, I know who could complete this murder uh, this person with the perfect alibi. Yeah. This, this person, person that's dead going
0: and, to die soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so, and so like, and of course he has motivation because he needs to provide for his wife and kid. Exactly. And like, why, so why wouldn't he, um, especially if he's going to be able to <laughs> quote unquote, get away, uh, get <laughs> right. away for a while uh-huh. like forever. Um, and, and, so it, it's interesting that I, I guess it never occurred to me because then that kind of pops the bubble of, well, then why is he doing it? And mm-hmm. maybe he could do it for a much more psychological reason of like, maybe, you know, maybe it has something to do with his uh, his lifestyle as a framer. Um, maybe it has something, maybe there's something deeper being said there, but I guess I certainly wasn't seeing it that night.
0: Well, I, think, I, still I, think, I think what I mean is that is that Zimmerman always believes that he is near death but where oh, I, like where a, like a I was where maybe? I was fluctuating back and forth was I didn't know if I believed that Ripley was making this up or if he was really terminal.
1: Oh, so he would have he would have forged like what the doctor had said or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, because at one okay. point Minot, he the the other the dark-haired villain, he says the guy that's making Ripley and Zimmerman do these things, he says that uh, those those French doctors that they uh, we're feeding him misinformation is what the uh, the wife reveals towards the end exactly. when she's in the bug. And yeah. before they go on that really
1: trip is more of a of a Tyler Durden character. In he this is
0: in this. Yes,
1: he, he plays he plays this like person who is a motivator. He's um, I liked his opening line, believe it or not. Because it's like a play on like Ripley's Believe It oh. or Not. I think he's <laughs> I like Believe think, It or yeah, Not. Because yeah. the guy says Ripley.
2: Yes. And I'm like, did oh, that that's exist funny. back in the seventies? I guess
1: it kind of did. It could have. Mm-hmm. But um, I I think there's something to that. I, Hopper is, I mean, he probably was really coked out. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know So that.
0: this is right yeah. after, uh, in the trivia, this is he flew from the apocalypse now set to this movie. Oh wow. And so then he was like all scraggly, long haired, long beard, and all this stuff. And so they had to like trim him up. And most, supposedly, most of the dialogue is just improv by Ripley. Okay. Uh, which makes some of like their the main... scenes when it's like Ripley improv'ing and Zimmerman, uh, played by Bruno Gans, is very sort of strict to the script, it seems like. And to watch them like back and forth, I thought was fascinating
1: that that is actually fascinating because i like, i feel like i could i could enjoy seeing how nervous that would make someone like bruno
0: especially in like a different language because ripley's mostly speaking english throughout the film and we have gans who's speaking german he's speaking french like he's speaking and he does speak english and so he's speaking three different languages and he's sort of replying to ripley at times in german and and ripley will re- reply back in english and it's like there's a lot there's a lot going on in this movie um again i'll i'll say that i liked this a lot this uh i watched this in two pieces the first piece i watched was up until uh his first murder uh when zimmerman goes ahead and then in like it was one of the plot points that never really came up again where he's running through the through the uh, train station and he's on like every cc camera and i'm like what the hell like he's getting spotted by everybody um but that doesn't really like get him in trouble so much which i was like oh man what a shitty police system they've got wherever he's at um but it was right after that scene is when i had stopped for for one of the nights and then picked it back up when i had stopped it i was like this might be like a five star for me because I was wow. I was digging it so much, and then when I restarted it, and we get the second half, and we get the sort of train sequence, and we get the the sort of the final moments that we'll talk about in a moment. That's when I was kind of like, ah, okay, this is this is a little more convoluted than I expected it to be, and so it was. So it ended up being like a three and a half to four star kind of a movie for me. Um, okay. But but it is one that I would I would also keep because I do think. It is interesting to see how much different this is to the um, the late 90s sort of very glossy, very pretty, very full of pretty people uh, talented Mr. Ripley is, where that movie is the beginning of Ripley and this is you know based on Ripley's game, which is one of the the later Patricia Highsmith um, books, I believe. And so this is more of like an experienced weathered sort of Ripley. Compared to the young Matt Damon, who's just trying to be Jude Law, almost literally. So,
1: yeah, it's what's so weird about casting. Now that now that I've seen this movie, it's so weird to think of Tom Ripley being anybody else but Hopper mm. for me, mm-hmm. because Hopper and a character like Ripley need to have that. I was gonna say Durden, but I also think um, the Heath Ledger Jokerness to it. Oh, there. okay. And, and I, I hate to, I hate to kind of be a little cliche about that, but like there's this feeling of like fly by the seat of your pants. I don't really have a plan. Maybe it'll work. Just out. all I charisma just to, based. I just yeah, I just need to figure out a way. And that to me is not Damon. Mm. Like it just isn't. Like it. I I just don't. I've never seen Damon ever perform that for me. Like in a way. Well, I guess I, don't.
0: I guess the only thing that I would push back against is that he. In that opening, in that movie, he's not, he's not charming, but I, but I think in that 90s movie, he's intentionally not charming and he has to learn from Jude Law as to how to be charming. Okay. And so that's the journey. If it, that, if
1: that's more of like a, if that's more of like an origin tale.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like think, I think, I think that that's it. what it is. And so I think that if he's, he like tries to inhabit Jude Law to where Jude Law, I think, is very much a charisma first kind of an actor. Um, to where I guess I could see where he eventually would get to this point, even though, you know, this is a few years before blue velvet, but it's (laughs) when that's what I think of whenever I see Dennis Hopper, I'm like, Oh man, Mm -hmm. he's going to turn, he's going to start huffing something. He's going to start talking about mommy, this and mommy that. And, uh, and he just is much more dangerous than That's
1: Exactly. It dangerous is a great way to describe him
0: Mm. on camera, Mm.
1: really in anything, but like, like, specifically as this character, I kept thinking that, you know, oh, when's he going to turn? And that's why I, I really liked the ending. I think the ending kind of saved it for me.
2: Okay. Um,
1: With, with how it ends, I think that, like, how he abandons it. Because he's got to get out of here. Like, Bruno has to get out of here. His wife is now involved. We need to see. He, he like so going back to it, like yeah. We let's need to talk. See let's, this well, let's
2: talk
0: about what what happens at the end. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't you talk about that real quick?
1: Well, I think so. I, if I'm remembering this correctly, they they are outside of the mansion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go as planned. Yes. They need to get rid of this body. Hmm. And the wife suddenly comes out of the shadows. <laughs> yeah. The wife shows up in her
0: orange like bug.
1: Yes. Discovers what happens. And then Hopper is like he like runs away, and um, uh, the wife comes over to, um,
0: to Zimmerman. Uh, Zimmer,
1: Zimmerman. Mary. Her name is Marianne, I guess. Um, comes over to Zimmerman and is just like, you know, you need to come back. We need to, you know, it's fine. Just yeah, she's trying to community. save Let's their just, marriage. Yeah, just get the heck back with us. What are you doing and stuff. So, and that's when Hopper comes out and is like, come on, we
0: need to finish this. Like, just let right, us do this. Right, Take right. us
1: this far. And somehow convinces her.
0: Yeah, that's one of those smash I, I cuts, guess, right? It's <laughs> where it's like. It's one of those
1: things where it's like, how does, like, only movies can do this. Uh-huh. Like, they really skipped a real big thing here. where <laughs> right. where But, you know, through the magic of movies, they're back on the road. It's now becoming daylight. They drive. There's this gorgeous, gorgeous sequence uh, photographed of them driving on the beach.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, Hopper or Rip Ripley is just like uh uh zigzagging through the sand and I love that. It reminded me of um that pretty shot of uh Paul Thomas Anderson's the master mm-hmm. when he's riding the when he when uh uh Joaquin escapes on the motorcycle, he's riding through like the field and he's just oh, making okay. a trail yeah, yeah. through that field. And that's, he's doing that on the beach, like he's driving, he's like careening through the beach, and uh, they eventually have to set that whole thing on fire because they gotta get rid of it. And then he leaves uh, Ripley. Uh, Ber- uh, Zimmerman does. They both. He both. They both do.
2: Yeah,
0: he climbs in his um, wife's little bug, and then they take off.
1: And they take off, and they get out of there because, which I don't blame him at all. Uh, first of all Uh, because I don't think this friendship is very healthy Um, (laughs) you know and not that I disagree with it or anything that definitely made for an interesting film but uh, uh, Hopper um, Ripley is running behind the car and like uh, Zimmerman looks back and like kind of chuckles a little bit Mm -hmm. like they're having fun and it's like I kind of like that because they do have good chemistry they do have this thing they have something there and even when he's getting the hell away from this guy, they're still kind of having fun. And uh, I guess, oh gosh, how does it happen? He starts to, everything starts to go dark. Well, yeah, he, for, yes, for yes, So he takes... Am I, am I getting it out of order? Sorry.
0: No, you're good. He, he eventually gets away from Ripley and it seems like, oh, the Zimmermans are going to put their marriage together and everything's going to be fine. And the wife is driving for a while and then after a bit, uh, Mr. Zimmerman decides that he wants to drive. And it's been established that he doesn't really know how to drive because Dennis Hopper was te- trying to teach him before, uh, Mrs. Zimmerman showed up at that mansion. And so Mr. Zimmerman is driving and then he like goes up on the side of this, uh, this bank for no reason. And then comes yeah. back down and is kind of like laughing, and he's just kind of like goofing around and feeling sort of free and feeling kind of like that he's escaped Ripley and that he's going to be okay is sort of what I was interpreting all that to be. And then he just sort of simply tells her, almost in a Friends of Eddie Coyle way, things are getting dark. <laughs> and then he fucking dies. See, I thought, so we, he was,
1: my, my, my evidence is things are getting dark, meaning his vision is getting dark. Yes, and he is he is swerving because he cannot see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he says things are getting dark, and I'm assuming that's like a stroke or that's like he's he's dying right then.
1: Yeah, it's like the sickness or whatever is now finally overtaking
0: them. Yeah, and so they go up on on another bank and then start going back down towards the to the beach and towards
1: the water. Yeah,
0: and I thought that, that was wonderfully shot the way that you know there, it look it literally looks like it's out of control. That and she scary, yeah. and she yanks the emergency break and it stops on the beach and and then you don't get again because it's the 70s I think you don't get this like hero shot like wailing from the wife she just kind of checks to see what's going on with him and if he's okay or not and she realizes that he's dead and and you're kind of that's kind of it. <laughs> uh, to... One
1: more thing with that though, they do go back to. They go back
0: with Ripley, After right? he
1: dies, they go back to Ripley, who's at this point underneath the dock.
0: Yeah, and he's kicking and his he's, feet.
1: He's kicking his feet and he's looking at something. I think he's looking at like the wood of the planks or the wood of the of the, I guess the posts that are holding up the dock or whatever. And he's—I forget what he whispers, but he's a madman. Like he yeah. just is. He's full. Dennis Hopper at
0: this
2: point yeah he is
0: uh, that's that's where uh, for me it was like I felt like I was watching as much Dennis Hopper as I was watching Tom Ripley oh good you know yeah
1: but those those it was those type of moments that I that oh yes okay this I do I this this has won me over mm-hmm. the other scenes that that kind of that just made me so happy because I I can see this happening I can just see this happening these days watching movies like this and i'm sure they based it off of this or not but um the scene where he has the hit on the train
0: oh yeah what a scene that and is! and
1: he botches it like mm-hmm. almost right away <laughs> yeah because <laughs> that's the
0: thing like zimmerman is not good at this
1: no 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 not at all he he just <laughs> the only thing that's great about zimmerman is he has the perfect alibi that right. is the only thing He's good at framing pictures. He is not good at being an assassin, <laughs> right. and you can tell this because of how and where he decides to kill people. <laughs> he shoots them point blank on an escalator. Which, by the way, the guy falls on an escalator. Like my wife has like a like a deathly fear of like going down escalators. Oh, a phobia of that. And just yeah. escalators and phobia. Like it's just a common thing with
2: uh, uh, escalators. I guess. Like,
1: I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But seeing that and seeing him like fall on the escalator and then go up like i'm just imagining his face just scraping against that that mechanism that that feed that that the stairs get fed into and so i'm thinking about that nightmare uh (laughs) while also stressing out his uncut gems move of shooting his target right in the middle of all these cameras (laughs) yes and And just getting spotted
0: everywhere
1: just an absolute rookie move. But I guess that's kind of what they're counting on in some ways. I guess there's some, in some ways, they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's, because for
0: for Minot and for Ripley, neither one of them have anything to lose.
2: You yeah. know,
0: they, they want these people gone. And it's one of those things where uh, Raul Minot, he tells Ripley that he wants these people eliminated. And then Ripley thinks that the Zimmerman man might be a good person for the job. And what's interesting yeah. about that is you don't really ever know why and Zimmerman doesn't know why that he was being that he's been selected, right? And it all comes down to the ego of Tom Ripley. And that's what I think is so similar to the other version of of the the uh Matt Damon version is that everything is about his ego to where at the end Ripley references to uh to Zimmerman before they go off on the the whole uh, beach situation. Is that, uh, you know, he didn't like how Zimmerman said, I've heard of you at the opening auction that opens oh, the film. Right. And, yeah. and he goes, that's it? Because he says, oh, I've heard of you in a derogatory way after Ripley is selling these fakes, these fake paintings at, uh, right. at this auction house, which is, again, similar to our previous discussion, which was about F for fake uh, with all those fake paintings that were being sold and so he says you know I've heard of you and Zimmerman was kind of like that's it and then Ripley replies and says isn't that enough (laughs) sort of like that's the level of egotistic behavior that we're dealing with with this character I love
1: that explanation I gotta be honest I love that explanation I think that's really good Yeah, it's genius on all their parts Yeah,
0: Uh, so um, it's little stuff like that to where I was like god damn like I I love that and so there was parts where some of it was like unfortunate 70s and 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 i don't mean this in in terms of it doesn't happen anymore but we don't tend to show this as often anymore but we have the zimmermans arguing and their their domestic life is is somewhat um somewhat solid like they don't have too many issues really but she starts figuring out that he's uh he's not telling her the full truth about where he's going all the time and stuff now and now that he's got kind of this taste for being an assassin since he got away with it the first time and he got this money and all this and he's sort of like almost getting a little bit of a shining to it because you have Ripley at one point that is sort of like it's almost like testing him or maybe trying to save him or or maybe not uh, fully wanting Zimmerman to jump into all these things because you get a sense that I believe I believe in the books and in the movies that uh, Ripley's bisexual and so I believe that he's uh, because he he has these little like cute sayings that he says to Zimmerman every once in a while about I'll miss you or I'll, I'll always be there for you and he's chasing him at that final moment like we said and he's kind of like almost like a spurned lover type chasing yeah, the, the bug I
1: believe it yeah um, I absolutely can see that
0: but anyway the the moment that we that we see here but we don't see as much of anymore is when the Zimmermans are arguing and. Uh, he slaps Mrs. Zimmerman and then she kind of like fights back quickly and then he pushes her down in the chair and it's sort of like a very um like a light version of some domestic abuse. And that's the sort of thing that, that breaks that relationship up. And so that was one of those moments where I was like, Ooh, I'm glad that we didn't see more of this, but I'm also glad that we got this moment where it's showing how far this, this stress is taking, Is taking her because we get a lot of his anguish and his like he's sort of excited by killing this guy and going on this mission and it's it's like an excitement that he doesn't get as being a a frame maker um but then when we see on the train after they botch and then recover he's like screaming out the back of the train and he's like looking like he's ready to jump out himself like it's 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 a very uh complex and quiet performance from bruno gans which is surprising that this is his first film
1: oh really is yeah. it okay yeah would never know that first film and then um, you're going up
0: against this version of dennis hopper like what
1: yeah <laughs> and um and ripley is such a magical character in this film too and mm. like what he's capable of um so bruno or i'm sorry uh, zimmerman uh, botches the the murder mm-hmm. on the train and I think he's tr- he accidentally like notifies someone. He accidentally mm-hmm. like reveals himself. Mm-hmm. And so you're panicking with him. And he gets him into the train, uh, bathroom or washroom or whatever. And he's like figuring out a way to like garrote him, like in a way with like a, with like a, almost like a metal line.
0: Of oh, some yeah. Sort. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, uh, it's like, he's worried. And then all of a sudden he comes out of the thing and he sees a policeman. And then like, I think Ripley shows up just right there. And it's like, what are you doing here? Like, like, how did you, like, how did you find me? How did you know? It's just like, I'm magical. I'm Tom freaking Ripley. Like, yeah. It's just,
0: that is the fight. Club
1: moment, Right. Yeah. It's just like, where did you come from? That's what I'm referring to when I, you know, when I think of like, it reminds me of like, going back to like, um, Nolan, uh, dark Knight. What do you? Right is at the uh, party and he opens the uh um elevator door and the joker's right there somehow some way he is just able to transport to the place that joker needs to be because it serves the story you know it's like that it's like I love that magicalness of being able to just do it. Who cares how or why he's just crazy enough to follow um Zimmerman on his thing. A probably because he's gonna botch it again. But also just because he's a crazy man who yeah. has to, who has to he has to see this through because he's yeah I think
0: if you really are it. if you're really trying to like drill into why it's it's you know you've got Ripley is been given this task and he thinks that Zimmerman can handle it uh, and so it is sort of on Ripley that this person gets killed from this this Raoul Munoz guy um because he sort of like vouched for him um but you know zimmerman has no idea that he's going to be there and then once he does yeah he futzes it up he's got the guy that he's trying to kill has like a partner that's there he's got like a and then there's the police officer that's there and the the two the partner and the the guy that they're trying to kill initially are both thrown off the, off the train, which is surprisingly easy to do. And I was like, oh God, like, thank you, modern technology, for that moment because, uh, yeah. you can't just open it up and throw someone off these days. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I thought that, I thought that there was like really compelling moments here. And I think that what makes the difference for me compared to Eddie Coyle is that this one is a little bit more of like a tortured character to where, Robert Mitchum's, his Eddie Coyle character is like someone that is struggling and wants to survive. And this is a little more like it's even more life and death, I guess, because he is dealing with this, this sort of, uh, you know, this, this medical condition. But it was this one felt like a little bit harder, a little bit more work, a little bit more like um it's sort of like a like a European noir is it the way that I think I've seen it described?
2: Yeah,
0: um, I think that's right. And and right. so it was like it had higher highs for me, but also slower moments than Eddie Coyle. And so it, it ended up being about the same for me in terms of the overall rating. But I think I probably would turn to, to Coyle first if I was rewatching.
1: Yeah, when I think of rewatching, when I think of what, whether to keep something,
2: mm-hmm.
1: if I'm purging or something like that. Um, I think about like comfort, comf- comfortableness these days. Yeah. Like just because, just because it's a great film doesn't mean I won't have access to it, but how many times am I actually going to put in Schindler's list?
0: Oh yeah. Like,
1: it, like in reality, like it's obviously monumental. It's, it's, it means so much. It's a, it's a wonderful, great film, but to be honest, do I need to own this film? and put it in my collection? Am I really going to be watching it that many more times? When I think about all I have to do is go to Apple or go to <laughs> Amazon or go yeah. and then pay the $3 or go to my library, which is probably what I'm more likely to do, mm-hmm. get a physical copy of it and watch it that way. I could probably stand to do that maybe two or three more times in my life. And that's fine. And I like it's Same thing with like real Bravo, same thing with this or that, you know, like, but I know there are movies like I gave, I think I gave, um, I don't know why I did this, but I gave, um, once upon a time in Hollywood, like three and a half stars. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I got, I liked it. Well, wow, that's fine. Like, I don't know, but I own that shit on Blu-ray mm. and it's totally because I could pop that in and it would be comfortable to me. And I don't mean to just pick on Tarantino. I don't mean to put a Tarantino thing in, but like, you know what I mean? Like there are movies that just you put on like a record in some ways. Sure. You know, and, and Eddie Coyle is one that I do kind of feel like, ooh, I like the rhythm of this, I like I like the look of this, I like the feeling of it. There's gonna be times where I'm in the mood for it. And there's probably going to be less times in my life that I'm going to probably feel like putting on American Friend. And I have the resources to be
0: able to find it if I wanted sure. it. Sure. Do you think that part of that is because some of this is in foreign language?
1: Because because, um, no. if you,
0: because if you're watching it, I feel like if I was watching this for just like a hangout, I would probably be folding laundry, looking at my phone, like doing other stuff to where I would be missing moments.
1: That's a good point. Because you do have to be engaged to really know what's going on. You have to like read what they're saying and stuff like that. But uh-huh. I'm usually engaged with whatever I'm watching anyways. I was actually folding laundry during this film too. Okay. Actually, both films I was folding laundry during
0: um the laundry of having just, a small uh, child
1: uh yeah it's so we there's so much <laughs> there's so much and they're all so little pieces anyway and then i hold up something that he hasn't worn in months and i'm like i remember when he used to wear this and it's mm-hmm. so little now mm-hmm. he's such a big boy anyways um just to, but, just wait
0: till he gets to go in high school and you're like oh my I god like, you wore this last week what do you mean school? it doesn't fit yeah
1: yeah oh uh, man gosh um yeah, you're telling me it gets worse. Um, so I'll welcome have... to Dad
0: Talk. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> um, but that's what I'll do. Like I, I that's when I know. Yeah, you, you, might be onto something with engaging with it. But the thing is, I enjoy. Well, I enjoy so many uh, foreign films and stuff like that.
0: Oh
2: so yeah, I, I
0: just, yeah. I, it's not like it's not like you can't handle a foreign film. It's just it's just a, a thing where this the rhythm of this and the the style of this lends itself more to, okay, if I'm going to watch this, I'm going to watch it for a specific reason. It doesn't feel like a hangout movie.
2: I want to point
1: something out too.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I think it's so fascinating that I tried to watch this film and the other one had such a good rhythm mm-hmm. of like, Oh, it's only a matter of time. And, and it's, and it's, and it's curtains for, Eddie Coyle, you know, like, Oh, when, when's it going to end? It was, it, what, it truly did feel like a ticking clock.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. One, they even give you the framework of the two weeks there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In, in this one, in uh, American friend, I didn't feel the ticking clock as, as hard yep. as the other. And you should have um, because even, he's sick. And I, and I feel like I should have because <laughs> yeah, because he is sick. And so, um, but but I think the uh, the death for me was that much more impactful.
0: Yeah, crazy. Um,
1: <laughs> it's crazy how that worked because I actually think that the shock of the shock of how understated Eddie Coyle's death is uh, compared to Zimmerman's is so like they're just the opposite. Mm. I feel like.
0: Um, well, and, and like so. I was saying earlier, for me, this is this is the thing where I didn't know if I was believing in what the medical information was telling Zimmerman to where I was like, I don't know if he actually is really that sick, even though I he's going put, through these tests. I
1: guess I put the medical information from Ripley in doubt, but I don't put his terminal.
0: Uh, his original doubt. one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Like any information that you're getting from Ripley, I think you can safely say that it is complete bullcrap. crap. Like, no way. Because they do have talented? a moment
0: where they do have a moment before they argue where the wife says to him that she finally opened the letter from his original doctor after they got the tests back. And what's nice about that is she doesn't reveal what the letter says, but I think you are supposed to infer that he is terminal. And I was like, Well, I'm gonna believe that, he's, to fine. that he's that
1: he's terminal. <laughs> But what does it say? She says that you're not actually going for the thing that you said you were going for,
2: mm.
1: or something like that, right? Yeah. Like yeah. They didn't. Did, the the letter she talks about, she doesn't mention Tess.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Which is what we all know is what she's expecting. We're expecting her to discuss or
0: talk right. about. Right. Yeah. So it's like it's the it's the withholdingness of this of this film that I think is interesting, but it also is one that. <laughs> I would I would need a reason to to watch it again. Like it's not like I I'm like to you know, it's not like I'm not gonna tell my I'm not gonna tell my wife, hey, let's go just hang out and watch The American Friend, because that's not gonna <laughs> yeah. be fun for her. Um, but if it was something where I was like researching something for like a project or something that I would want to write or whatever, then I would definitely look at this again because I think it has a lot of style, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting performances and interesting central figures. Um, but I think it is one that I would need more of a reason to, to return to, but I still want to keep it. I also, I also haven't listened to either one of the commentaries on either of these films. And so I definitely want to do that at some point too. That would be fun. Yep. So, all right. Well, anything else about either one of these movies there, Mr. Um, I'm
1: very glad we did this because this was, um, this was, I got a gift from, um, Robert Mitchum and a gift from Dennis Hopper. (laughs) Yeah, um, and there there are two people I love watching on screen. Of course, I like. Yeah, it's it's really it seems really dumb of me, of me specifically at my age to go. Oh, let me add more to the to the the gushing of these two uh, actors that are.
2: They're that pretty have, good.
1: We've, so we've heard it. Yeah, we've heard them all. I think these <laughs> kids. I think both these kids are going places real yeah. fast.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, if you only know Dennis and, Hopper from uh, from Speed, you know, he's done other stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, Which, honestly, I'm thinking about it now, and I think my first Dennis Hopper probably was Super Mario.
0: Oh, mine was, Super mine Mario was for Brothers. sure. Mine for sure was Speed. Oh, yeah. yeah or, or that now that I think about it, yeah, it probably was Speed, because that's 94, and uh, Waterworld was 95, so. Oh,
1: my God, Waterworld <laughs> might have been my first, too. <laughs> you can keep what's left of you in a jar.
0: See? And then he was oh, also man. uh once I was starting to get into uh T V being a thing that I was like very invested in, he was the, the main villain in the first season of twenty four. Which for a while oh, I was really? I was really into that for a while. I didn't know that he was in that. Yeah, That's he's kind of playing cool. he's playing a Russian guy and he was like the least Russian man you've ever seen. Of course. But he was Dennis Hopper, so Dennis freaking up, um
1: so yeah, I'm just glad that we that we watched them, and that I you know I can knock those off the list, and I'm gonna what's what's great too is they're they're really good introductions to both uh directors for me, oh yeah, um, there's a ton of stuff from Wender's that I need to look at, and
0: he's still doing stuff, um,
1: and he's still doing stuff, yeah, I just saw that there was a Pope Francis documentary that he did and all that. I was like, man.
0: He's, so uh, he's almost like the he's like the German Martin Scorsese in that he does a lot of like YouTube videos and uh oh, that's cool. does a lot of music videos. Uh but but yeah, still working.
1: We lost Yates in twenty eleven, but he still has a lot of good looking stuff that I'd be into. Yeah, on avoid now. a
0: separate piece, though. That's bad. A separate piece? You yeah, said? D- don't watch that.
1: Okay.
0: Alright. <laughs> Noted. Maybe that was because of my uh the shade that I was feeling at the time of watching it while I was teaching. (laughs) Everything's, everything's grayed out. (laughs) I couldn't find it on the on the dang list and there it is. Yeah. I don't know anybody in this film. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's not, not a good one. It's just sort of Mm. like a, you know, like a university tale, like a a campus novel. It's just like, it's just a movie like that and it's, it's not, it's like, it's like uh, The opposite of Lord of the Flies to where you know, you're know, you isolated and everything goes wrong. This is more like drama on a campus yeah. kind of a thing. So so
1: Peter Yates also did this classic tale of a man's dream, epic journey, and one true love. Don Quixote, Bob, oh, yeah. Ron, Bob Hoskins, also Vanessa Williams, and Isabella Rossellini in Don Quixote from 2000. I'm going to read you both the first two reviews. Ready? Okay, yep. From Zach Strinen, one star. <laughs> I watched this. I watched this in Spanish class. I did not want to be in Spanish class, and this movie wasn't a highlight.
2: Mm. This
1: is a five-star review from Poo Poo Mamas. <laughs> Best movie ever in all caps. I watched it in Spanish class, <laughs> and it has changed the way I look at the world and the Spanish community.
2: Oh Literally I've never
1: loved anything more in my life. <laughs> Hashtag Spanish Lives Matter.
0: <laughs> I so, think that Peter Yates is probably best known for, for directing um Bullet. Would be yes, my, that's would be the, my that's
1: the number one thing I should probably that's that's where I should probably directly walk to after
0: yeah, this. One. Bullet and uh breaking away, I think are the three things that he's um Bullet Breaking Away and then the Friends of a Decoil. I think those are the three things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those look awesome. Some of these yeah. other ones look alright though. I like the look of Eyewitness and um, uh, the Hot Rock I heard Hot Rock. I heard about on um, Pure Cinema.
2: Oh, okay.
0: As well. Well, there you go. So, well, there you
1: go. Cool. All Once right. again, thank you. It was awesome. Well, wonderful. I
0: always
1: like doing this. Yeah. Like, doing this.
0: So, uh, um, Mr. T, normally this is where we would say uh, after we've discussed, should we keep or delete but like i've already said i'm keeping both of these and i have a suspicion that as we go through these criterion films that maybe something that i say regularly is the criterion ones they they maybe know what they're talking about the movies are maybe pretty good and so i'll maybe i'll maybe keep most of those
1: yeah, yeah. i you know what's so kind of crazy is like there are stuff in the criterion collection that i'm like why oh wow, man why is this here Mm-hmm. And then I think about like why wouldn't why wouldn't these other films be in this? And then I think about like it's it is kind of a status symbol for for uh for um uh a, a film to get this. But I do kind of feel like like vinegar syndrome and stuff like that. They all do a really good job of of uh uh, uh, repackaging these things in the way that they need to be repackaged mm-hmm. so criteria I would say the Criterion format isn't perfect for every film mm-hmm. but it certainly is a format that I like and, and like to see that a lot of other places can do like Shout, Shout Factory and Scream Factory do a really good job of uh, packaging some of their stuff and they, there's a lot of care put into those um, Arrow films uh, I have the Arrow Robocop I think Oh yeah. Um. And and they did a, a just a smashing job at.
0: Man, that's an at, expensive disc now.
1: Yes. Um. Well. The, well. No, the Criterion ones expensive, right?
0: Of robot. I think it's either. It's like uh. It's either Shout Factory or Vinegar Syndrome or something of RoboCop. It's like it was eighty Aero. bucks. Oh, of Arrow. Okay. yeah,
1: and it was a box. It was like a. It's a thicker box. It's a. It's not like this huge set it's just a bigger box with more crap in it or whatever i don't know more discs or something like a slipcase type of deal
0: yeah i just know that i have it on my on my uh on my plain label wish list and as i stall to scan to it it's
1: probably totally shot up in the last like little bit because they print those they kind of print those um a little bit without um like a limited run,
0: almost. Oh right. Oh here it is. Yeah, you're right. It's Arrow. So this and American Werewolf in London I have on there, and the RoboCop one is on Amazon. You can buy it for a nifty seventy two dollars. Ooh. Yeah.
1: See, that's a little steep for just one movie. It's one movie <laughs> I've seen. Yeah. It's it's available a lot of places, so it is really hard for me to like. Like it has to go, and that's one of the reasons why I I do the Criterion. Uh, collection uh, sales a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I almost, I almost wait part of the time. The one I got this last year, actually it was about two years ago now. Um, was that box set of the Agnes Varda. Oh, right. Um, it's a girl. And, um, yeah. And she's, and so what I'm going I'm, to, I'm still planning on going through it, but like that to me, I broke it down as like getting them for like three to five bucks per movie. Cause she's got like 20 movies in this, but the set was like so expensive that I could not bring myself to, to get it. And until we, I got, I think I got credit towards like someone got me a criterion like collection or maybe it was like an Amazon
0: or like a Barnes and Noble um, gift card or something.
1: Yeah. Gift card or something like that. And then I was like, well, and they're like for your criterion collection. I'm like, Oh, thank you. And then I just took that plus the sale and was it? And so I'm a person who loves buying these physical discs or whatever. I'm just going over here to grab the set because it's like a book. It's like a hard – it looks like a hardcover book on a shelf. Um. So – but, yeah, it's got like 20 films in it. And so breaking that down and trying to devote the time just for this oh, is yeah. kind of crazy. And some of her films are longer – much longer than like a standard like 90-minute
0: – you know – well, it's, think it's of... not like there are a lot of glips and, and glam with Agnes Varda. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like a film, even if you're going to enjoy it, it's work compared
1: some of it, to it. Like... Yeah. Cause you really do need to be, some of the, some of the, uh, documentaries are, you have to be, well, you have to be engaged in all of it, but her narrative stuff isn't, isn't so bad. Okay. Uh, no, well, then I it's bad, but like uh, some of it is, uh, is easier to more, digest. Yeah. Um, and I would say more the more modern her films get too. That I think the easier it got. The one that I really really loved. Um, sorry to go tangent. No, real quick. you're fine. Yeah, but we're, we're still talking Criterion, though. Yeah. Um, is um, Gleaners, the Gleaners and I. Okay.
2: Um,
1: that one is all about uh, repurposing of trash and of of um, and what we throw out and and looking at and it, what it did was um there are moments um throughout my life on a weekly basis where i still think of that film because of how that movie made me think of do i need to throw this out or yeah. can i fix it can i try to build from it do i how much waste are we producing and it's not a green film it's not this like film that's saying we need to save our planet or it's not a it's not this like like scary uh, inconvenient truth type of documentary it's more about um showing just different, it's a, it's a different slice of the life, like how this person lives off of going to dumpsters and finding mm. gently used or thrown out food in order to eat. And that's mm. just like the code that they have for themselves. And then, you know, she she goes to this junk sale and buys this clock and it's got no arms on it. And she kind of has this like timeless joke or whatever that she makes or whatever. And then she goes to this pile of potatoes that they've thrown out and they're all uh, misshapen. There's nothing wrong with the potatoes. They just aren't sellable. They don't look like potatoes that you buy at the market.
2: Oh and yeah. And so
1: you, she can just have them. And so all she does is just go through the pile and finds all the ones that look like hearts. And it's adorable. <laughs> it's amazing. Interesting. And just, she's a she's a real she's a real treasure. Or she was.
0: Did you ever so, see uh, Did you ever see Varda by Agnes?
1: No, that's the one I want to work up to. That's oh, okay. the one that's going to be hard, I think, because um I the last one I saw of hers was Beaches uh-huh. of Agnes. And that one is where she goes back. And that one's that one Beaches is going to be so good because you'll be able to if you if you watch any of her stuff, she goes back to uh the different settings of her films and different uh segments of her life and she like hires actors to replay them.
2: Oh.
0: It's like, uh, that's, the that's rehearsal. The that... <laughs> yeah. It
1: is a little bit like the rehearsal, but she, but she sets it almost, almost like she's setting them up to be photographed
0: uh-huh.
2: or
1: setting them up to, to play the parts and stuff like that, how, how they played out in her memory or how they played out from her film from long ago, you know? So, but yeah, she's, huh. she's fascinating. And then of course her relationship with, um, rock. So, um, interesting. But yeah, no, I'm. I that was one of my. So my goals. I had a couple different goals for 2023, and I can talk about this too because it still relates to our movie watching or Um, my goal was to get through Varda for 23, but also I I finished last year's um, uh Lynch. Oh, okay. I, I went through every. I went through everything Lynch, and uh and I should rank them because that's that's a fun thing to do, but um. But my new goal for 2023 is Cones, Coen Brothers.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Um, so I now I now want to get through. Because I, th- I think I try to pick ones that they there's very reachable. I feel like I can get that in a year.
0: Oh yeah, I think you know, so.
1: Trying to fit like 20 to 30 films of Agnes Sparta in a year that's really hard. Yeah. But if I do one a month for, or maybe like one and a half, one or one or two a for month for the Coen Brothers, Coen yeah. Brothers, I can totally do that in a month all I got to do is just like inject it into my regular viewing and and get through it and then, then I've seen the whole filmography you know like like we do for for um yeah because this know. is we, this
0: is one of those where the Cohen brothers we just picked a few um, a few movies we didn't go through the yeah. whole and i there's
1: some that i haven't seen that are like really like Hudsucker proxy i've never seen
2: Okay.
0: Still
1: have not seen Raising Arizona. Like what's oh wrong? Oh my god! With me? What how, can in I, the world? how can I say I even like the Coen Brothers? Raising Arizona is songs. a movie
0: that I will reference to my mother every time I see her. I love that. Yeah, you are
1: such a good. i that, that. makes me so happy.
0: That's a movie that my uh, my mom and I watched a lot. growing that's up. That's special,
1: man. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, that's really nice. That's I think the only things very
0: when I look the only things that I have yet to see are Intolerable Cruelty. Uh, the Lady Killers. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing it though. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Buster Scruggs yet either.
1: Uh, so okay, I don't know. Some someone was gracious enough to put a hard copy of that film on my doorstep in an uh, envelope. It was so amazing, uh, and they did this. They did the same exact thing to the Tragedy of Macbeth. Wow. Now I don't know how. I think it might have been Apple Plus that gave me Macbeth because you can't watch that anywhere that's not streaming, right? And Netflix, I know they love me because I, I buy their service well, yeah. and they give me good stuff to watch all the time, but somehow they gave me this this hard copy and I I liked holding it in my hand. It's very nice. There you uh,
2: go. Yeah. It, I,
1: it, that was very generous of both services to do that for me. Yeah. I, I know it's not quite known who sent them, but in my heart, I know it was them. So I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. Yeah, tragedy of Macbeth. I forgot because I looked at uh, Ethan Cohen's uh deal instead of Joel. Oh yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, and so I. I they got another one after this. Yeah.
1: I just uh, like their. I I specifically like their outlook
0: on <laughs> on just life in general.
1: On just yes, men and, and life and. <laughs> Well, it's oh, funny stupid. because like it, I
0: I would say this I would say that after uh, No Country, um, to where I I tend to struggle with their more whimsical stuff except for Raising Arizona, which I think is one of the funnier movies I've seen.
2: Sure. You yep. know
0: I've seen period. Um, but like I don't particularly oh. think Burn After Reading is that funny. Um, it's Fargo,
1: man, it, it's just another Fargo to me. Yeah after
0: reading it and some stuff like uh like true grit's wonderful especially to see what Haley steinfeld is now to see her uh, as a child and you're like yeah i can see it i can see where your uh, whole personality was already formed when you're this when you're this old yeah so Um, all right anything else mr teed no uh no <laughs> okay if, if uh, you have any comments for the show you can email us at plain label podcast at gmail.com if you want to help out the show you can check out our show notes where there you're going to find the link to our amazon wish list as i mentioned earlier if someone wants to get me the robocop thing just you know just send me a gift card for 72 dollars don't give me that don't give me that one disc also on those show notes you're going to see a pdf of the movies that i have and i have not seen so if you want to check that out and mock me or push me into what I should be watching next, <laughs> or maybe even with whom. You could do that over there. I do want to thank Mr. Teed for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you, or check out your Letterboxd reviews, or get in touch with you, where could they do that? It's at Ben Teed on Twitter and on Letterboxd. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you for listening, and you can join me next week with another guest and another film.
2: You put your hand in the drawer, and somebody kicks the drawer shut. Like a bastard Hand in a drawer, somebody kicks the drawer shut. Have they had bones breaking? Just like a man snapping a shingle hurts like a bastard. Nice day.